Welcome to Messy Modern Ministry, a resource where we equip leaders to navigate the ups and downs of ministry in our modern world. My name is Kristen. And I'm Joe. And we are so excited to have you join us today. On this episode, we have Pastor Mark Schilling, campus pastor of Redeemer Church in Rome, New York. Pastor Mark started 17 years ago in ministry. His first 10 were in youth ministry and ultimately leading to him becoming the Rome campus pastor. So Pastor Mark, welcome to the episode. We are so happy to have you. Hi, thanks for having me guys. I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Today, we're gonna be talking about identifying burnout. Some of the myths that go into that and ways that you can identify where you are actually at as a leader and maybe if you're reaching that burnout point and how to deal with that. So this topic is so incredibly important. I don't think that leaders talk about it nearly enough. And I don't really think that leaders are immune to this type of thing. And so how did you even start focusing on identifying burnout? Well, I wish I could say I had some uh, a beautiful moment, but the truth is I burn out. <laughs> I burn out. And, you know, it's almost like you didn't know what you were, I didn't know what I was experiencing because it was, I had never been there before. And so I, I kind of burn out and, uh, and it was in that process that I picked up a book. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader and um, it was on the topic, but I was, I was kind of reading it for other people and, and I'm like, gosh, this is me. I'm, I'm burnt out, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I was still in ministry. I was preaching and teaching and praying and reading my Bible and loving my family, but I was just like, not enjoying it like I once was. And I was, it was harder than it once was. And I felt like my emotions were a little frayed and I really had to start to kind of recalibrate all of it and say, you know, number one, like, am I called to this? And I knew from a young age, I was called to ministry. I don't have a plan B. I don't think like when I'm done with this, I'm going to go be an accountant. Like I really feel like this is what God's called me to. And I want, I want to run the race well and I want to finish well. I don't want to ever get into a zone where I'm just collecting a paycheck. I am a, a vocational pastor, so I collect a paycheck, but I never wanted to be that. I just wanted to be like, I'm fired up to serve the Lord. I'm fired up to serve the kingdom of God. And, um, wasn't feeling that fired up peace anymore. And, and so I had to kind of, I started to look and say, am I crazy? Am I alone? Is this a shared experience? And come to find out it's pretty stinking common. Um, in fact, the average burnout for a youth pastor is 18 months or something ridiculously low like that. And a senior pastor, it's like less than five years because it just, it's beautiful and it's brutal to be a pastor. And yet, I believe God gives us a grace to do the thing he calls us to. Whether you're in a stay-at-home mom, a CEO, a pastor, what God calls you to, he graces you for. And I realized that I just wasn't receiving the grace of God to do what he was calling me to be doing. Yeah, I think this is so important because what you touched on, this concept of you know, when you're burnt out, if you feel like you're in survival mode, if you're not feeling fired up, if we're not careful, we could start to think, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Right? Like, and you're saying, you know, you're called to ministry. And so ministry is not the problem. There has to be something else going on that's causing this to be an issue. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, if I had to like, you know, go all, you know, Pastor Mark and, and share a verse, the one that that I thought of for our conversation and for the larger audience is second Timothy and Paul is, is coaching his spiritual son 
on many topics, but he, on this, he says, he says, you, my child, he goes, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And I love that. And I think that, you know, for me, just to start the conversation, I feel like there's two primary reasons why people burn out. One is they're not operating in an area that they even have a grace to operate in. And so that will always burn you out. Um, I'll give you an example of that. I'm a campus pastor of a small campus of, you know, 150 people, 160 people. And, and sometimes you just, you got to do what you got to do when you're a pastor, you know, sometimes you got to stack the chairs. Uh, sometimes in this case, uh, the preschool teacher did not come in and I'm like, had to be the preschool teacher that Sunday. And I went home more tired than if I had run 20 miles or if I had preached two sermons, it was like exhausting for me. I lost a kid. He ran downstairs through the sanctuary. It was embarrassing. <laughs> and, and, but you got to do it. You're a pastor. Sometimes you got to do that. But now if I do that every single week, I would get burnt out because I just don't have the grace to be a, a preschool teacher. And yet there are some beautiful people in our church that are totally grace for it. And it's life giving. They come out beaming and smiling. And I love these kids. And listen, I love them too, but I was just tired, you know? And so I think as ministers, we have to really be honest about where am I truly graced? What is the grace that's on my life? And the second part of what Paul tells Timothy is, is be strong in the grace. So, so it's like, I know in my areas is pastoral care uh, and communication are my gifts. And, and part of it is I can wing it in those areas because I'm gifted but God's not calling me to wing it. He's calling me to be strong in the grace. So I need to be asking myself, am I truly appropriating God's grace for my area of giftedness or am I just winging it in the flesh? Because if I wing it in the flesh for too long, that will also lead to burnout. So Pastor Mark, you I know in some of the discussions we had, you experienced this firsthand. You actually went and spoke to someone. Uh, a counselor who ended up saying and notifying you that you were actually depressed. I feel like it's important to this whole topic because you were, didn't even know. Right. And so if you don't mind, could would you mind going into that? Um, and just talk to us a little bit about that. I think of a story about John McEnroe and early on in his career, he had this like routine and he would be in the locker room and he would tie his sneakers. And just before he'd pick up his racket, he with both hands would slap the ground and say, let's go. And he said to his coach, the day that I stop slapping the ground, I'm going to quit tennis because huh. he had a passion behind what he was doing. And he found himself later on in his career, just lacing up and taking his racket and going to play. And, he, and it hit him like as an afterthought, I'm not slapping the ground anymore. It's not there. And, um, I started to feel that it was, there was a whole bunch of circumstance that led me to reach out to a counselor, which I, I just want to say boldly because pastors, some of y'all need to get a counselor. You're not Jesus Christ. You just represent him. And I think you need to feel safe enough to say that I need some, an outside help. I, I think sometimes I can pray myself out of a situation with me and the Lord. Sometimes days go by and I'll talk to my wife about it. It's another prolonged seasons where like you're in a funk and I just decided to get someone to talk to us. So I got a Christian counselor and describe my story and 
And pretty much he said what you said, you're depressed. And I was like, and I pushed back because of my ego, because like I'm a professional Christian, right? Like we don't get depressed. We work for team Jesus and we always have the joy of the Lord as our strength and all that stuff. But sometimes we don't, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we don't. And I didn't, and I was doing my thing. I was going through the routine, but I was depressed. And, and the reason it caught me off guard is I had this dysfunctional image of depression, a caricature, if you will, of like not being able to get out of bed in the morning and not functioning and not ever laughing. But I was doing all those things. And so I thought, surely I'm not depressed. And she said, Mark, are you excited about your day? Are you excited about the future? She's like, do you ever fantasize about doing something else? Do you ever fantasize about running away from home? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love my wife and kids, but I'm like, I do. I do. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about divorce. Don't get me, I'm not being weird, but just, I'm like, I just, I just want to be, I want to escape. This is too much. And I was feeling that. And so then I had to ask the question, am I called to this? As I alluded to the scripture in First Timothy four, where Paul says to his son, spiritual son, says, "Be strong in the grace." And as I check my heart, I know for certain the Lord has called me in the ministry, and He has provided for me a grace to do that. But that grace needs to be appropriated often. You know, give me this day my daily bread. I remember when I was early in ministry, man, I would pray like crazy. I would fast all the time. I was desperate, man. I was like, I felt like a, a fraud. I would get up and say, Lord, help me preach one more good sermon so I don't get caught, that people don't find out that I should not even be here. I'm not qualified for this, you know? And, and so in the early days, I really was super dependent upon the Lord and his grace and his presence and his help. But over the years, I kind of learned to preach and I kind of learned to teach and I kind of got like, I got this, you know, a little less desperation, a little less praying, a little less fasting. And all of a sudden, I started to experience what I was experiencing. And this is a telling moment. And everyone who's listening, hear this one thing well. Someone gave me this definition of burnout that I'll never forget. It's when the oil in the lamp runs out and the wick burns up. And that, that's the picture, right? Because, and that's a biblical picture, by the way, because the story of the virgins and their lamps and one had oil and one didn't, it's like the light that people are supposed to see in me is the light of the Holy Spirit burning through me. Not me, not my personality, not my gifting, not my ability. My primary job as a leader is to keep my lamp filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And if you've ever seen an actual oil lamp, it's amazing to watch. And my, even my kids look and wonder, why is the wick not burning? I said, because it's not the wick that's burning, it's the oil. Mm -hmm. But when the oil runs out, the wick burns up. And that's what I was experiencing. I was still burning, there was still light, but it was costing me something. And I had to start addressing that. I'm still technically in the middle of my, my degree, but I started going to seminary <laughs> and for one of my classes, it was soul care, like soul care classes. And they made every single person sit through counseling the entire semester. You know, they said, you need to take care of your soul so you could take care of others. And it was like, no nonsense. You were going to counseling. You were going to sit there every week. And honestly, at first I was like, 
you know, my life is good. I have a good family. I grew up, you know, safe and healthy. What am I possibly going to talk about? And then I got in this room with this poor <laughs> woman and I just every single week filled up an entire hour. <laughs> but she I can talk. It's I true. honestly <laughs> <laughs> But I honestly gained so much insight. Why do I respond this way? Why am I feeling this way about this? You know, why do I react so quickly to something? And and I just learned so much about myself and gained so much insight. So Well, honestly, growing up for me in a Pentecostal charismatic church. Um, I have a degree in psychology. I would have never had a degree in psychology 15 years ago because it was almost like looked down on. It's like, we got Jesus. We don't need psychology. You know, even counselors were kind of looked down on. It's like, yeah, those are for really fricked up people who go to counselors, you know. But like, well, I started as a pastor hearing some pastors, national pastors I admire, just flippantly in their sermon goes, I was with my counselor this week and we were talking and I was like, he goes to a counselor. You know what I mean? Um, and you you know the people that get messed up and they have an affair, they embezzle from the church, and then they go to rehab. You know, but this wasn't <laughs> him. He was a totally functional guy, like you. You were like, I'm good, but he he just the way that he said it, it just released me, like, to go to a counselor. Like it was almost like if he can go, I can go, and that's part of the reason I think what we're doing is good, guys, because it's 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 gonna free some people up. Like true story, Mike and Melissa. Mike shared the funniest story about him and Melissa, and, and he was talking about marriage, and he talked about how it's so funny. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but he got in the car late. No, she got in the car late, and she had a bowl of cereal, and he was late to preach, and he was preaching. <laughs> And so he backed out and she didn't see a car behind it, but he had to pump the brakes and she spilled a little milk. It, she, she, who gets in a car with a bowl of cereal? <laughs> Melissa. Melissa. So, she, so she thought he did it on purpose, out of spite. So she takes the whole bowl of cereal and shucks it on him, right? <laughs> like on his suit and tie on the way to church, right? So he tells his story at church, right, as he's preaching. And I'm telling you, every single pastor in the church that we got calls from couples who wanted marriage counseling, because they basically said, if Mike can be that honest <laughs> about his marriage, then we should talk, because I got something to say. We have to release each other to be authentic. You know what I mean? So while we're on the topic of kind of releasing people from some misconceptions that they might have in the church, what are some other myths that people might believe about burnout or identifying burnout that aren't necessarily true? Yeah, so I think the first myth is that we have to do it all. I think the, almost like, I think I don't know the exact statistic, but it's somewhere in the line of 90, 95% of churches in America are less than 120 people. And that's kind of the, the zone I'm in, right? So uh, there is a pressure that a pastor of my church size feels that a mega church pastor doesn't feel. And the pressure is that I have to do it all. I have to be good at it all. I have to be able to teach and preach and clean and run a bake sale and build a spreadsheet. And frankly, it's like, I'm human like you guys. We probably have two or three things we're really good at. You know what I mean? That we just, we can get an A plus in. We have a couple things. If we work on it, we can move it from like a D to a, a B minus, but there's just some things we'll never be good at. You know, I'm never going to even try to lead worship. You know, I, I joked about preschool, like I could pull it off, but I'm not that. And I think the thing that, um, that leads into burnout is people that believe a myth that I have to do it all. I have to be good at it all. When in fact, the Bible is very clear. My primary job is not to do it all, but to equip the body 
to do the work of the ministry. So what I'm doing, even on my small campus, is constantly identifying people that do stuff better than me and saying, man, you are so good at this. I remember I had this uh, guy, this I mean, a tough blue-collar contractor in our city who's just tough as nails, his hands are like calluses. And I said, would you help with the kids? You know, would you would you be considered being a kid's teacher? And and my wife looked at me and I, no, I got a good feeling about this. I think he's going to be great at this. And he went up there and I'm telling you what, he loves, loves, loves teaching the kids. He prays and he cries over them. He's like, I've never cried like this before. But he just, there was, all of a sudden there was a gift on him to do it. And I'm like, yes. And then I'm looking saying, who's good with, with technology and, and who's good with, uh, you know, nursing home visits and who, and I think my number one job is not to do it all, but to equip all. And a lot of times pastors can allow their egos to trip themselves up to feel like I got to do it all. I can admit like, I ain't good at that, but you're really good at that. Can you help me? And that was super freeing for me. I think the second, <laughs> the second myth, ready, is God needs me. He needs yeah. me. He really, really, he was doing good until I got here, but now we're really, we're really getting some stuff done. It's Jesus and me, and we're, no, he doesn't need me <laughs> any more than I need my six-year-old to help me build a bench outside. In fact, when I invite my six-year-old to help me build a bench, it's an act of grace, and I'm actually slowed down because of his involvement. It doesn't speed it up. It slows me down, and what I have to just be is thankful that God lets me be a part. I think that's the attitude correction is that, thank you, Lord, that you would, you would entrust this to me. And there's times I get to pray and say, Lord, you know, I didn't have a good week. And you know, me and what I fought last night were good, but Lord, I need your grace. Uh, this is, this has got to be all you. Cause I really don't want it to be all me. Lord, I, you don't need me, but I, I need, I need you. And like I was saying earlier, I think we have to have a growing sense of dependence, not a diminishing sense of dependence, but a growing sense of dependence. And, and the last thing is, is that we have to do it alone. We have to do it alone. And the way this is different than my first point of doing it all is, is that emotionally, I don't have to do it alone. Spiritually, I don't have to do it alone. I need a pastor and I need a friend like other people. I just visited a girl in the hospital who's real sick and she needs a miracle. She's seven. She's a sweet little thing. And, but she's got cancer all up in her brain and her spine. And, and uh, I was having a really hard time. I mean, my daughter had cancer. And so I know that feeling and, and, and she's worse off than my daughter was and is. And, and I'm telling you, I was driving out to the hospital and I just started crying and I couldn't stop crying. And I'm thinking, I can't go in there like this. <laughs> I can't, I got, I got to get my stuff together here. And I called a pastor friend in the church, an older guy who actually attends my church. He's a retired senior pastor and his name's Pastor Mike as well. And I said, would you pray for me? I really, I just need, a, I need you to pray for me. Pray for me that I can do what God's called me to do. I know, I know I'm supposed to be going. I know God's called me to, but right now I just feel inadequate to the task. And he said, absolutely, Pastor Mark, let me pray for you. And you know what? That was a learned behavior. That was not something I would have done 10 years ago. I'd been like, I got this. I got this. And I think that when done over and over and over again will lead to burnout. Cause you know what? Sometimes we don't got this. Right. Sometimes we have to weep. Sometimes we have to let someone know we're weeping. Sometimes we let, need to let someone know. I, I just, I'm just discouraged. I'm depressed. 
I'm sad. I am a super safe church with a super great leaders. And I could literally go to my pastor and say, I'm struggling with depression lately. And he wouldn't fire me. He wouldn't think less of me. He'd probably get me help and pay for it, frankly, you know, and I'm blessed that, but I know that's not always the case. And, and sometimes what I, what I would say ready, and this is, you know, do what you want with this guys. But I think that if someone feels that trapped in their church, like I can't be honest, I can't talk about my things. I would go to an outside anonymous counselor, literally. If that's all you got, go do that. Because it's hard. Who does the pastor go to? The pastor needs someone too. And so whatever it takes, whether you've got some friend on the West Coast that you know will keep your, your secrets. And I'm not talking about – the Bible says, you know, love – covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't cover up for sins, okay? So I'm not talking about enabling sin. I'm not talking about any of that nonsense. I'm talking about I'm discouraged. Who can the pastor go say I'm discouraged to? I'm blessed that I have that. And I'm simply saying we don't have to do it alone. We need one another. And I think those three myths that we have to do it all, God needs us, and we have to do it alone, I think are the things that really can set the stage for burnout. And one thing I'll say, man, a lot of times you see these terrible stories in ministry of affairs and addiction and stuff like that. Sometimes that is a reflection of burnout. They're burnout. And so they start reaching out to other things to try to scratch that itch. And, and sometimes it's a sinful thing. I'm really convinced of it. I think that sometimes when you're seeing these far off wild stories of, of national pastors doing crazy things, I think sometimes I'm thinking, that dude was burnt out a year ago. He was, he was burnt out a year ago. And then, you know what I mean? And then he, you know, cause what emotionally, spiritually healthy person starts thinking to himself like Ted Haggard, I'm going to get me some meth and a male prostitute. Like, I mean, you, you watch that. You're like, what in the heck is that? You know, it's like, but you, you realize as you back up the real story of Ted Haggard, he had no one, no one to talk to. No All one. Right. And right there, that's like a sign, not good, not healthy. You yeah. know, who, who can you go to when you're the, the head of the Evangelical Association of America and be like, I want to quit my job and run away from home? Who, who do you go to, right? But those are real thoughts that leaders think. And if you don't have someone to go to, you go to something to feel okay. And I think that's what happens. Right. I think that's um, sad. Just earlier, I was thinking about how We've spoken to multiple pastors from Redeemer Church, and you guys have been there for so long at, <laughs> at this same church. And honestly, that's not something you see all the time. And so I just think that the longevity of, of you guys staying at this one church grounded and rooted there is like a testament to like a aspect of grace that you guys have. I think, I think the big thing too, is that like, you know, I think what we want is something healthy. I think everyone craves a healthy church and we really have a healthy church. And, you know, I'm in the inside baseball, I call it of our church. I see the inside meetings. I've seen all the pastors at their worst and I'm still impressed. I think I'm blessed to have amazing friends and a really healthy dynamic it's from the top down. Pastor Mike has never made the church about himself or his ego or his image or his status. Um, and I think he, he doesn't allow that to happen for any of us either. And let me just say this. I, I'm going to just add one little footnote. It probably should be a, a major point. God builds the church. Let's just be really clear about that. God builds the church. I don't. 
Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to part one. If you want to hear more, check out part two, where Pastor Mark talks about sustainability in ministry. Right, because everybody can start a marathon, but not everybody can finish. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Messy Modern Ministry. Have a great day, guys. Bye. <laughs>